morning, St Saviours. Today we have two readings. The first, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6, and the second, Psalm 133. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And now, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon was falling upon Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows its blessing, even life forevermore. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. Welcome. Lovely to see you this morning. So this morning we're beginning this new teaching series called St. Saviour's Family Values. And hopefully you all got a bookmark um, when you came through the church, if you're here in person, if you didn't, you'll get one on the way out and we'll charge you for it. I think they're about £4.50 plus VAT. No, they're a free gift from us. And on the bookmark, you'll find our nine family values, the nine family values that we're going to be reflecting on. These are the nine values that we hold ourselves to as a staff team. And every um, couple of times a year, we revisit this as a team and see how we're doing, check in on each other, see how we're doing with these nine values. And they're the values which our staff team try to impart to the teams they lead. And you'll be pleased to know they're not something we've invented. These values are the mark of any healthy Christian community. They're key for us to be the sort of community that God has called us to be. So we're going to spend some time this term just reflecting on each of these values. And today we begin with number one, unity. Be united. So before we continue, shall we pray? Father, we want to just thank you for your word this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you just come and speak to us by your spirit and impart to us something of what it looks like for us to be united, to live in unity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world full of disunity. You know, we find disunity everywhere in our homes, in our families, our workplaces, our government, our national leaders. We see it in the world, don't we, with conflicts and things that just go on in the world. We see it in the church. The history of the church is full of disunity. We argue over everything in the church. I mean, I think some of the things I've sat on meetings with is the type of light bulb we use, the type of biscuits we buy, or even the type of tea bags we use. We find disunity everywhere. I don't know if you're a fan of the TV show The Apprentice. It's a perfect example of disunity. Just watch an episode of that. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the team that normally wins in The Apprentice isn't the one that has the best idea. It's the one when they just get on well together and they just work together. 
and a team which is backbiting and arguing and spends so much of the energy and the time just finding out um, who should be the leader or why should they do this or that, they're often the team that loses. And my guess for many of us, we know that unity is important. We can see how it works practically. But we don't really get just how important it is for us in the life of faith. We want unity, but the reality is it doesn't always happen, does it? We're all broken. We all see things differently. We're all unique and have different perspectives and agendas. And that's great. That's how God designed us to be. We're meant to be unique. Unity is not uniformity. We're not all meant to be the same. We're meant to be different, have different gifts and different passions. But if we're honest, some people are just really difficult to get on with, aren't they? So what's so important about unity? But I want to give you five things this morning, five reasons, just briefly, five reasons. And they spell out the word unity, U-N-I-T-Y, so they're fairly easy to remember. The first thing is you. Unity unlocks blessing. Unity is the thing that unlocks blessing. Rebecca read to us that wonderful psalm, Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's there the Lord bestows his blessing and life evermore. God loves unity. There's something about unity that just releases blessing. Nicky Gumbel in the Bible in one year wrote this a few years ago. Unity is not simply the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's the very instrument that the Holy Spirit works. Unity is how the Holy Spirit works. And when you read about the early church in the book of Acts, one of the things was whenever there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there was always unity. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. Whenever there was an outpouring, there was, there was unity. All the believers were together in unity. They were together. They prayed together. They had one heart and one mind. Unity was one of the marks of the early church. It's one of the things that defined them. And God blessed it. That's why you can't be a Christian on your own or by yourself. Because God blesses unity when we come together and we gather and we worship and we fellowship together. That's where God's blessing is. And if you're here this morning and you're waiting for a breakthrough or an answer for prayer, maybe the answer is to work on unity. Because that's where God's blessing is. God loves unity. That's the first thing. Unity unlocks blessing. And the next thing is N. Unity is not from us. Unity is not from us. It's a gift from God. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You don't have to create unity. The pressure's off. The moment you come into faith, you enter into a relationship of unity. We have peace with God and peace with each other. We come into this new relationship of unity. But our task in all of this is to keep unity. We come into a relationship of unity, but how do we keep it? It's so easy to focus on the things that divide us, isn't it? There's always more that unites us than divides us. And regardless of our gender, our education, our profession, our age, provided, regardless of any of those things, we're united in this thing called faith, this person called Jesus Christ. That's the thing that unites each one of us. In the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to a guy called Philemon. And he says, I'm sending you back Onesimus. And Onesimus was Philemon's slave. And he says, I'm sending you back your slave. And he says, when he arrives, he said, don't treat him as a slave, as master to a slave, but treat him as your brother. 
Because in Jesus Christ, you guys are now brothers. You've been born into a new family, a new relationship. We're united in Jesus because of Jesus. And I wonder what that says about us and how we view each other. People different from us, different ethnicities, different ages, different professions, different genders, different status. We're united because of Jesus. It's something that comes from God. When we're born into a new family, into this family of faith, we're united in unity. Unity is not from us. It's a gift of God. It's a wonderful thing to receive. Our job is to keep it. And then the I, U-N-I, is instruction. Unity is an instruction from God. It's one of God's commands. It's something that he's instructed us to do. Verse 3 says, make every effort. Make every effort. Not just when you feel like it or when it's easy or when it's comfortable or it's someone that you get on with, but make every effort. And our unity is a picture of our relationship with God, isn't it? Through the cross, Jesus makes a way for us to have peace with God and peace with each other. And Jesus spoke about, um, about this unity. He said, you know, when you, when you go and make your sacrifice, he said, if you're holding something against someone else, first go and be unified with them, forgive them, be reconciled with them, then come back and bring your sacrifice, bring your worship, bring your praise. I wonder if we were to do that this morning, when you came to the door, and we said, if you could write on a bit of paper all the people that you've got an issue with at the moment, and then before you come to worship and praise, go and be reconciled with them. And then when you've done that, come back and worship and praise the Lord. Well, I think the church might be pretty empty, if we're really honest. But that's what Jesus commanded. Unity is the instruction. Before we come to worship and praise the Lord, we need to get right with each other. It's surrender, it's obedience, and it's discipleship. Have you made every effort to live in unity? Or another way of reframing that question, what opportunities has God given you today to live in unity with your brother or your sister in Christ? And what opportunities will God give you this week to live in unity with your brother and your sister in Christ? Unity unlocks blessing. Unity is not from us. And unity is an instruction from God. Then fourthly is T. Unity is transparent. Unity is transparent. It's visible. It's something that you can see. It's not just a a wonderful theological thing that we think about. Unity is something that you can see. The end of John's Gospel, Jesus is praying, and it's a wonderful prayer because it's one of the only times we see exactly what Jesus prayed. We're told he prayed a lot, but we actually see the words he prayed at the end of John's Gospel. And what Jesus prays is, is for unity. That was his prayer. That was his heart. The one thing that he wants us to remember that's written down in Scriptures is that he prayed that we would be one. That was the prayer of Jesus. That was his heart. And then he was told why he prays this. He prays that him and the Father are one, that you and I would be one, and he gives us the reason. He says, so the world will know that you are his disciples. The reason for unity is that the world can see something different, that you are disciples of Jesus. Jesus says when we live in unity, the world sees something different in us, and through that we draw others to Jesus. 
If you want to see your community changed, if you want to see people set free from addictions, if you want to see relationships restored, if you want to see your friends, your loved ones, your neighbours come to faith, it begins with unity. It's this visible thing that people can see that is attractive, that draws them into a life of faith. Jesus says it begins with unity. It's visible. It's transparent. So unity is transparent. And then the fifth one is unity is you. Why? Unity starts with you. And that's where the challenge starts. How do we keep unity? Paul right into the Ephesians says this. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The secret of unity is this. It's not about the person sitting to your left or your right or the one in front or behind, the person that you disagree with or has hurt you. It's not about others. Unity starts with you. It's all about you and what's going on in your heart. It starts with you. It's all about you being humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another, being a person of forgiveness and grace. It's about you making every effort, not just occasionally, but every effort. And of course, sometimes that's going to involve risk. It's going to involve being um, humility. It's going to involve being vulnerable. It might even involve suffering. Humility, vulnerability, suffering. It involves all of those things. But guess what? There was someone else in Scripture who did those things, who took great risks, who was vulnerable, who was humbled, who sacrificed and suffered, and his name is Jesus. And he did that so that you and me can be in unity with him, in unity with the Father. And part of being a follower of Jesus is following in Jesus' footsteps. You can't do it in your own strength. None of us can do it in our strength. We need the Holy Spirit. But this is what it looks like to follow Jesus to follow in a place of vulnerability and risk and sometimes suffering and great humility and great gentleness because that's what he did for us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit just sometimes to soften our hearts, to take us to that place where we say, actually, you're Lord, more important than me than the stuff that's going on around me and the people around me. And, and my, my way of loving you and being obedient to you is by loving others. John's letters, isn't it? If any of you don't have love for your brother or your sister, then the love of God is not within you. It's such a hard ask, and we do it by the power of the Spirit. One of the things I've been privileged to do over many years is being part of teams that go into prisons and share the good news of Jesus with others. And I remember a prison down in Devon that we went to one day, and we had a wonderful chaplaincy, chaplain team full of unity, We had Methodists and Baptists and Pentecostals and free churches and Anglicans and Salvation Army people were part of this chaplain team. And we were in this prison and at the end of the day we'd been teaching on the Holy Spirit and we just spent the time just waiting on the Spirit and allowing him to come and just rest on us and fill us. And one of the members of the chaplaincy team, one of the local team down in Devon, stood up, this elderly lady from the Salvation Army, and she said, you know what, this, today is the first time I think I've encountered the Holy Spirit in the way I've encountered it today. I've been a Christian all my life, over 50 years, and something ministered to my heart today I've never experienced before. And for her to stand up and do that after being a Christian for so many years in front of people that she'd been teaching, 
showed great humility and great vulnerability. But it was almost that she gave everyone else in that chapel permission to be humble and to be vulnerable. Someone they knew, someone they trusted. You know, they'd heard everything from these crazy charismatics who traveled down from London, but there was one of their own, someone from a, a different tradition saying the same thing, us being in unison with what we were saying that the scriptures were speaking to these guys. And she gave permission for guys to be vulnerable. And it was amazing. It was almost like one by one, every single man in that chapel gave their lives to Jesus after she shared her own testimony. What would it look like for one by one, every single person in this community to give their lives to Jesus? How would that look? Well, it starts with unity. Unity is where God blesses. It involves our vulnerability, our humility. It involves love, but it starts with unity. Unity unlocks blessing. Unity is not from us. Unity is an instruction from God. Unity is transparent. You can see it. And unity starts with me and it starts with you. It starts us just being filled with the love of God, having our boundaries, our walls broken down and saying we're going to make every effort to, to walk together. It doesn't mean we're the same. God has made us unique and we should cherish that and celebrate our uniqueness, our uniqueness and our diversity but it means that we're, we're, we're centered around this person called Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the thing that unites us. And this is what made the church in the ancient world so unique and so different from anything else that was going on. It was the only place you'd find slave and free, male and female, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, coming together as one in unity over this person called Jesus Christ. And God bless that. And our hope for St. Saviors, for this community, for Sunbury, is that as we center around this person called Jesus Christ with all our diversity, that God will bless that. And in our own vulnerability, our own humility, one by one, we'll see people come into this relationship with Jesus. Would you like to stand? If we're really honest, we know it's, it's hard sometimes to get on with each other. We have different passions, different views, but the great thing is God sends his Holy Spirit to draw us together. It's a work of the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we want to invite you to, to come now, to be with us, and to just administer to our own hearts. And we pray, Lord, as we seek this year to be a, to be a community, to inhabit this value of being at peace with each other, walking in unity with each other, that you'd come and soften our hearts and just give us, give us the desire to make every effort. <laughs> when we disagree with those things, Lord, whether it's tea bags or actually it's something more serious and painful and destructive, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring healing. That we wouldn't try and force it, but it'd be from you. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us now. Come and fill us. Come and refresh us as we just surrender our agendas to you. And let's just pause. Let's just wait a minute at the beginning of this week and 
And maybe for you there is a particular issue of hostility, of disunity that you're, you're carrying at the moment. And I just encourage you just to lay that at Jesus' feet. Let's just pause and just lay those things at Jesus' feet. And, and if you're struggling with it, struggling with forgiveness, that's okay. Say, Lord, I'm struggling. Just be honest with him. God doesn't want us to pretend with something we're not. He wants us just to be honest with what's in our heart, the hurt, the pain. Come, Holy Spirit. As God reveals more of himself to us, we often discover where we've been weeping, where we've been struggling. As he reveals more of himself, we find that he's been weeping with us. He's been right there with us. And God doesn't want us just to put a plaster over our scars. He wants to bring that deep healing that only he can do if we allow him, if we surrender. So come Holy Spirit, come and fill us, come and soften us and come and encourage us and give us the courage unity to make every effort to be this community that you call us to be. Come Holy Spirit. Kirst is going to lead us in our next worship song and And as we sing these words, may these words your prayer this morning. Your prayer of just releasing what you're carrying and stepping up into that place to be that person of unity, to make every effort, to be that church that Jesus prayed for. And his response is to his blessing, his blessing. Bless you, he'll bless us, he'll bless our work, he'll bless our ministries because I say, Yes, there is a community which I can trust with an outpouring of my Holy Spirit. I can trust to bring healing and restoration because they get it, they know what it looks like to be a, a person of healing and restoration. So, as we sing these words, let's be our prayer this morning.